couple of good-looking roosters right there at the end, weren't they? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about if you know me. Well, uh, Remembrance Day, uh, a, a good day to have. God is for remembering things. Um, I'd just like to take a moment to um, just to mention again about the Everymans. Uh, those guys are volunteers uh, and they, they put themselves out uh, on a daily basis, full time, uh, sort of like mission. well they are, sort of missionaries into the ADF. And uh, these guys get deployed, uh, they do not get the same benefits as uh, ADF personnel at all. Uh, they're doing it for the, for, for the love that God has put in their heart towards people. So uh, Jeff mentioned that uh, there's a sign-up sheet down the back if you want to put your email and you can get a uh, regular uh, weekly. Oh, every, every sort of two-monthly uh, newsletter comes out. Uh, it, it's good, I recommend it. As, a, as, a, uh, as an ex-soldier, um, you know, that brew truck was a saving grace after many weeks out in the scrub just to... Uh, and, and I was unsaved at the time, so I did not understand... I did not realise the, uh, the value and the benefit of these guys or the sacrifice. I was just happy for the brew. But, uh, you know, praise the Lord for them. So, Psalm 124. I, I know that uh, Pete has just read this, but I wanted to read it again because King David was really acknowledging that if it had not been for God, then Israel would have been destroyed as a nation many times over. Uh, he was acknowledging that Israel had mighty men of war that fought their battles, but without God, there would have been no victory and there would have been no peace. You know, we could easily, easily replace the word Israel with Australia in that psalm. And I'm going to read it again. And as we read Israel, just think in your mind, this, is, this could be Australia. In fact, this is Australia. There were many occasions in our history when we should have been overwhelmed. Uh, many battles we won where we were outnumbered and outgunned, even recently, even in the last few years. Uh, the one that sticks out in my mind is Long Tan. I mean, I think it was 120, a company of soldiers took on 1,200 North Vietnamese and we won. Well, that's, you know, that doesn't work mathematically, right? It just doesn't work. But there's a reason for that. And it's a supernatural reason. You know, for some reason, God has favoured our nation. For some reason, he's done that. And just like the psalm said, we have not been given as a prey to their teeth. You know, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, well, now may Australia say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us, the stream had gone over our soul, then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird, out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. There is no truer a statement or no truer passage of scripture that can reflect our nation and where we're at today than this one if it had not been for the Lord. So today it's really important to remember two things, I think, when we talk about remembrance. Oh, and by the way, at 11 o'clock on the dot, I'm going to stop and we're going to have a minute's uh, silence and reflection. Um, so, and then I'll kick back on for whatever I've got left here. So, um, you know, it's important to remember two things. 
that firstly God gives a corporate victory to nations and he's given it to, to us as well, which you know, ultimately results in peace and has resulted in peace for us as a nation. And secondly, though, that God uses nation, a nation's fighting men and women to bring about that victory and resulting peace. It's all through the Bible. It's a Bible pattern. That's what God does. He could, he could easily just take nations out, but he uses men, men and women. He uses, uses people. He uses individuals to accomplish, his, uh, to accomplish his will. That's what he does. And he's no different with this. So if we're going to remember today, then it's important to remember in the correct context. Um, it's extremely important to remember that the corporate victory that we enjoy as a nation comes from the mercy of God and God's goodness to us as a country. And that resulting peace that comes with it has come about, though, at the cost of personal victory and personal peace for those who were a part of bringing it about for us. There is a cost. There is a cost. I'm going to throw some harsh facts at you today um, because it's important to, to, again, remember this in context. Um, and, and, look, I've been looking at this stuff for years and I came across some facts that, that staggered me just recently in preparation for this. But, you know, in about 20 minutes, it's exactly 100 years since the guns fell silent across the battlefields of World War I. So here's a fun fact. You know, in the final hours leading up to the 11am deadline, do you know how many soldiers were killed? In the final hours, so everybody knew armistice was coming at 11 o'clock. Do you know how many soldiers were killed in those final hours? 10,000. 10,000. And they knew that the war was going to end. The last person to officially die, recorded as officially dying in battle, died at 10.59, I kid you not. 60 seconds before the armistice, before the guns went silent. Hit by a sniper. I mean, you know. But just because the war ended didn't mean that the suffering ended. Uh, it's estimated that of the nearly 272,000 Australians who survived the war, 170,000 suffered from wounds or illness. 62% of survivors carried some scars, probably more than is actually recorded. I don't know how many of those actually died beyond that date. They stopped counting war dead from World War I uh, at um, 1921. So anyone that died after 1921 through uh, any injuries or illnesses or, or anything like that was not counted as a casualty of World War I. But, you know, the sad truth is, though, that even today there are some who have been, un who have been unable, who have survived the war but have been unable to survive the peace or even post-service. Um, you know, the names written on many of the war memorials dotted around our country do not reflect the true cost. They do not reflect the true cost. You know, there are many amongst us, young and old, who now fight personal battles on a daily basis because of their time in uniform. There are many ex-servicemen and women who struggle with two things after separating from the ADF. Peace and purpose. They're the two things. And the concept of rest, it just completely escapes them. The ability to rest completely escapes them. And there's a reason for that. So I'm going to give you a little insight into the life of the service men and women and their families. Because really there's, it's not just the people who put the uniform on. 
because they are people and they have lives and they have loves and they have friends and they have families and people, people who love them, people whom they love. And so the cost is just not constrained to the individual. It's much broader than that. So, you know, the demands of service life are, are pretty unique. And if you've, if you've worn a uniform or you, you know anyone that's worn a uniform, if your children or your parents, you'll know that uh, it's a unique uh, demands. And to wear that uniform costs something. It costs. It doesn't come for free. It does not come for free. So what you've got is you've got a highly trained group of highly trained people operating at high levels of awareness all the time, doing high-risk, very cool things, very cool things that most people just won't ever experience unless you, unless you throw that uniform on. You're in high adrenaline, acti- high, high adrenaline activities all the time. You get to shoot things, you know, you get to get shoot big guns, you get to blow things up, you get to fly around in helicopters, you get to jump out of helicopters, you get to fly in fast jets if you're that good. Um, if, you know, lots of different things. You get to drive big boats. Uh, you get to interact with people that you would never interact with if you weren't wearing that uniform. Uh, you know, you get exposed to extremely dangerous situations. Uh, and activities both non-combat and combat related. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, but war is dangerous, and I know that there are some of you here who can testify to how war is dangerous. But you understand that because war is dangerous, the training for war is dangerous. Now, um, you know, some of you saw the good-looking rooster at the uh, on the last slide there. I may or may not know him. He may get his looks from me, but he's probably likely he got it from his mother. But... So he, some of you know he's currently away in Southeast Asia at the moment. I've been away for a few months. And uh, so just, just you know, strange experiences, unique experiences. Um, they, they went out in their first uh, exercise out into the, uh, into the uh, bush in, in the jungle in Southeast Asia. Uh, and for a lot of them it was their first time you know, operating in that, in that environment. Uh, and if you're, uh, if, you're, if you're from the military, uh, especially in the army, you'll know that there's a uh, stand to period. And stand to is a period when you are, when it starts to get dark, everybody is in their gun pit, everybody's up and they're facing out with their weapons, looking out into the, you know, looking out, just in preparation and ready with a heightened awareness in the event that, uh, you know, somebody decides to turn something on or attack you, as it, as it is. So they were in there and it's uh, their first night and they're tired, it's hot, they've been sweating, you know, this is, this is in, in the middle of the jungle in Southeast Asia. And um, they, uh, they're all there and he's in the, his gun pit with the 2IC and they hear this... And listen, to fall asleep at that point in time, and you all know, I can see your faces, anyone is like, you know, it's bad. It is the single worst thing you can do is fall asleep when you're at stand two or on picket. So there's this snoring and it's like... And they're looking at each other and the two section 2 I see is like losing it because he thinks one of his guys is asleep on picket. Well, they actually found out that it actually, a very short time later, that it actually wasn't somebody asleep on picket. It was the tigers in the jungle growling <laughs> as they're walking around. Unique experiences, you know... But then there's the poachers who jumped into their gun pits at, at night, you know, with knives and bare feet, but that's a whole other story. So this is just in training, let alone in combat. You know, and, and many people, many people have uh, been injured 
Uh, I, you know, I know people, some of you will know people who've been injured just in training, let alone in combat-related activities. So um, you've got that. You've got uncertainty and disruption in your life, especially for the families. I literally, when the first couple of years I was in, I was probably away seven months of the year uh, when I got to the first gun regiment I ever got to. Um, I remember going to work one day uh, back when I was a young soldier um, and I had just come off a course for three months where I'd been confined to barracks. I'd been home for about two weeks. No, I'd been home for two days, I'm sorry, not two weeks. Went in and I got promoted that day. And that was good, that was a nice day. Uh, you know, I walked out saying, you know, bye, see you home for dinner. Fully, fully expecting to get home for dinner that night when I went to work. Three weeks later, I got home because there was a flood in the middle of New South Wales and we were, the, we were the, the regiment that was on standby to go and help do stuff like that. You don't get any warning. So there's lots of disruption. So imagine that family, kids, you know, imagine that disruption is, is constant and you don't know because you don't have choice. Um, these are the things that, that happen. You get separated for long periods of time weeks and months regularly uh, and you know that separation can leave you feeling forgotten by those at home uh, and that separation costs time with family with your spouses with children especially you lose some things you lose some time you know it's funny to hear my son talk about it with his mates a lot of his mates are, are unsaved they are already starting to understand the sacrifice of just time away from family even at their young soldiers now but on the, you know, oh, well, you know, the last one I had here was you, ha- you hand over your ability to choose certain aspects of your life and your family's life. You know, at the start, and some of you will smile and nod when I mention this, at the start you pretty much hand over all your choice. You don't get to choose what time you get up or what time you go to bed. You don't even get choice now how long you spend on the phone at the start through your basic training. In fact, you don't even get to choose how you talk on the phone. In fact, this is how you talk on the phone where you get your five minutes. It's funny when you go down to Kapuka and you watch all the recruits and you see them, because it didn't happen in my day because we didn't have mobile phones, obviously, but now there's like all these poor recruits standing there or homesick standing like this and you've got, you know, you've got uh, drill instructors who are walking around just eyeballing them, looking for a reason to rip their head off. So, you know, if they'd sort of relax a little bit and go, uh, again, you know, like, that, that's just the life, but that's the choice. Your family doesn't get a choice on where they live. You know what? It's great if you like Brisbane because everybody likes Brisbane and everybody wants the Brisbane to be their terminal posting when they get in. But you know what? Not everybody can go. Sometimes you have to go to Darwin. Sometimes you've got to go to elsewhere and places that you don't want to be, especially, you know, especially when you know nobody and your family has to just get in there and you, you're in there a week and then you're out scrub for another six weeks and they're there alone. This is the sacrifice that not just them but families make. But the, on the flip side, most people I know have served are proud to have served. I am. And most people I know are. You gain great confidence and inner strength by enduring what you endure. You, get res- you generally get respect from many people, especially in our country, because it's a noble profession. It's seen as a, an honourable profession. Uh, you make friends, close lifelong friends, who have endured what you've endured, which brings about this unusual bond. But you gain a great sense of purpose in what you're doing. Very unusual, significant sense of purpose. You know you're a part of something much bigger than you are and something extremely honourable. So, but remember I said that... uh, I'm just watching the time. Remember I said that this all comes at a cost? Let me give you some alarming research statistics. 
So a research paper just currently recently commissioned by the government into the cause of death among serving and ex-serving ADF personnel over the past 15 years found that the rates of all causes of death, including chronic disease and injury, were lower among the ADF male populations than the Australian male population in general. So that's good news. I guess it's that lifestyle where, you know, the fitness and all of that sort of stuff. Generally, those who are, have served in the ADF have that lower... Um, rates of death from chronic disease and injury than general Australian male population. So this is... So, ladies, I'm sorry, but they only did a study on males and it'll probably... you are probably be able to work out why soon. But this study also found, which is good news, that suicide rates for current serving ADF males was 51% lower compared to the Australian general population as well. So that's good news. But here's the bad news. 20%... You know what? The suicide rates for ex-serving males is 20% higher than any of the population. 20% higher. Ex-serving males are at higher risk in the, than anyone else in the uh, general male population of Australia. From 2001 to 2016, there were 373 suicides in serving, ex-serving and reserve ADF personnel. That's one every fortnight for 16 years. And that's only because the numbers they've got are up to 2016. It hasn't stopped. It's still going. In 2014 to 2016, ex-serving males aged under the age of 30 had a suicide rate two and a half times higher than that of Australian men of the same age. Under 30, two and a half times higher. The sad thing is that despite all the best efforts of, uh, of uh, you know, everybody, the government and defence and everyone else, uh, the Australian ran a story uh, this year stating that, re that reviews and reforms are failing to reduce suicide rate of ex-servicemen. What staggered me was this, and I sort of knew it, but I didn't really... Well, I, I sort of thought I, I knew it, but I didn't really know it. In this most recent Australian report, published earlier this year, it identified that there was no statistically significant difference in suicide rates between those who saw operational service and those with no operational service. You would think, and I did, I don't know, I just, you would think that those who had been on operations, warlike operations, and had served in that environment were much more likely to commit suicide. But it is not. There is no difference between somebody who has worn a uniform and never seen warlike service to somebody who has seen warlike service or a war service. No difference. Staggering. This will stagger you. In the US... In the years 2015 to 2016, over 6,000 veterans committed suicide each of those years. 6,000. 6,000. Over 12,000 in two years took their own lives. Now, I don't know what the numbers are beyond either side of that or even now, but it's probably pretty close to being the same. It would be in the thousands. Thousands a year. But this is interesting because they said that uh, of the 12,000 veterans that committed suicide in that two-year period, studies have found that service members who never went to war, service members who went but did not experience combat, and service members who experienced com traumatic combat conditions were equally likely to commit suicide. You know, this is interesting because there is a whole group of people out there who never, who never got to see combat-related activities and who are committing suicide and probably are forgotten about. 
which is really interesting. Staggering statistics. So why am I saying all of this? Well, remember I said we've got to remember in context here? We want to remember in context. And that context is that there is no victory or peace without sacrifice. None. And many of the individuals who are part of bringing about our corporate victory and peace now struggle to attain personal victory and or peace. And that can include not just them, but their immediate families as well. You know, so, well, why does this happen? Why does this happen? Well, based on my experience, I believe there's two key things that military people struggle with once they leave the ADF. Peace and purpose, like I said. But these are the two very things found in Jesus. Lasting peace and eternal purpose. Now, what I'm going to say, I sort of speak directly to people who have ever worn a uniform, but this is, you know, and because of today, we're sort of drilling in on a particular um, uh, group within our population, but this is across the board for everybody. Just be whether you've served, whether you've been in uniform or you haven't. What I'm about to say doesn't matter. But, you see, God has a place of rest for you in this life where you can have both true peace and purpose. You know, can you imagine a time when you don't have to constantly battle the anxiety, guilt and depressive thoughts? Can you even imagine that? Can you imagine a feeling, feeling a sense of great purpose and belonging again? Can you imagine having a peace that passes all understanding even in the midst of trials and hard times? Can you imagine healing for your mind, your soul, your spirit and your family? Can you imagine that? Imagine having hope again. Imagine experiencing joy again. You know, and I get that for some of you who are here today or even watching live stream, that that's hard to imagine and even harder to hear. But I say this for a couple of reasons. Because there is a promise of rest. And there is a promise of rest given by somebody the Bible says cannot lie. So if you have a promise from someone who cannot lie, and it's not just from someone, it's not just from anyone who cannot lie, it's from the one who actually created you and I. So he's your creator. In fact, he knows you more intimately than you know you. And he's saying that you can have a promise of rest. You can have rest. We've probably got like one more minute before 11 o'clock kicks off um, so what I'll get you to do is we'll, when it comes time I'll just get everybody to stand and we're just going to have a moment of silence uh, to, to reflect on uh, you know whatever it is that you want to reflect on but I just encourage you to think about the fact that it is God who's given us the victory as a nation as I said in Psalm 124 if it was not for him we would not be where we are now but also you know reflection of people that have uh, have, have served and then think about the cost to each of those people because everyone pays a price everybody pays a price so I want to get you to stand it's uh, almost 11 o'clock by uh, the play school clock there so we'll just have a minute of silence starting now
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. You may be seated. It's important to remember. It's important to reflect. Um, so we're going to have a, you know, a, a little bit more later on after uh, I finished here, but uh, you know, it's important to stop and just have that silence. Do you remember that, uh, you know, that, that time when the guns went silent? When peace reigned over a, over, over a land that was just torn by battle, torn apart. In fact, it didn't look the same ever again. Well, not for a long time anyway. But Jesus said this, as I said, there is a promise of rest and it comes from the, one who, the only one who can give it to you. Jesus said this, he said, Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said that. I can't give you rest. I have no ability to do that, nor does anybody else in this room. And nor does anybody else out there, in fact. But Jesus said, come unto me. He said, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, heavy burden, he said, and I'll give you rest. But what's that rest look like? Well, I think there's a couple of key components, which I've already said, which are peace and purpose. Let's talk about peace for a minute. You know, many ex-servicemen and women who have seen or experienced traumatic events suffer from a lack of peace. Uh, that lack of peace is soul-destroying, is it not? It's soul-destroying. It affects you, it affects everyone around you. I know the feeling of what it's like when the lights are on and no one's home. Like, uh, you know, I look at photos of my kids when they were little and I can't remember a lot of the time simply because I was so inwardly focused and mentally engaged with the battle that I was dealing with in my mind. I had no time for anything else. I had nothing left for anything else. I was constantly engaged. Constantly engaged all the time. Rest... Nah. Couldn't afford rest. I was too busy fighting. I lost a lot of years. But God has been good to restore unto me those years. He's been good to me. And I don't know what it is that keeps you awake at night. I don't know. And battling with your thoughts. But I want to share some Bible verses with you that help me. Romans 5.1 says this. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it doesn't matter what you've seen or done or experienced. By coming to God through, through faith in the work and the person of Jesus Christ, you have peace with God. And you know, if you're a born-again Christian here today, you have peace with God. You don't have to go looking for it anymore. It's a done deal. You have it. You have peace with God. Peace with your Creator. But then there's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says this, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord, of Jesus our Lord. Do you know the Bible is telling us this? It's saying if you come to know Jesus, you'll experience an increase in his grace and peace on your life. In fact, the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord multiplies your peace. It multiplies your peace. You know, and as you journey with Jesus and your relationship with him strengthens and you draw closer to him, you get to understand the depth of his love towards you. See, God's love is not based on your character or your performance. It's got nothing to do with that. It's based on his. The Bible says that for a reason that we love him because he first loved us. And it's an unconditional love, which means that there's nothing that you or I can do to earn it and there's nothing that we can do to lose it. Which is good. 
It's, I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to comprehend if you've not heard that before, right? It's hard to comprehend, but it's true. It is true. And then here's my favourite. If you have a Bible, turn, turn to Philippians chapter 4 with me for a second. Philippians chapter 4. Because here is the practical application of how God can bring peace in your life. We're going to look at verse 6, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Probably a good thing if I turn there, isn't it? Bible says this, be careful for nothing. So that word careful means anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Well, anxiety. Well, you know, if you're struggling with anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress, or anything else like that, anxiety is pretty, it's pretty prevalent in your life all the time. Always on. But he says, be careful or anxious for nothing. He said, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Let your request be made known unto God. And here's the result of that. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. The two things that when we struggle with, you know, things, when we struggle with a mental battle, when we struggle with these things of anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress, fear, the two places to get hit, heart and mind. And he said, if you, through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, God then will give you a peace that passes all understanding. Can you imagine having a peace in the midst of a storm? Well, you can be calm. It's like I heard it mentioned like, you know, or an illustration like this, it's like, it's like you are a submarine in the ocean just travelling along in the calm, but up on the surface is a, is, a, is a cyclone tornado. But you don't feel it. You're still in the midst of it, but you don't feel it. And he said it. Like, this is not me. He said it. And I'll be honest with you, I, I've experienced this, and I know many people here have as well. You know, it's hard to imagine this, I know, but God can give you peace in the midst of your storm. He can. It doesn't matter how long your storm's been going on. Because he's way bigger than your storm. Way bigger. If you want to turn to Psalm 107 as well, I want to share something with you because this, when I read this many years ago, boy oh boy, this, <laughs> this helped me because it showed me that, uh, well, it just really, uh, it really just explained my experience and how I was feeling. So, I'm sorry, I apologise if I'm using me as an example, but I don't know anyone else I can talk about, so, you know. Psalm 107, verse 23. It is, uh, wow, it, it, it rocked my world when I read this, in a, in a good way, because it really helped me just to know that, you know what, God, the Lord really understands what I'm going through here. It says this, in the start of verse 23, it says... Uh, they that go down to the sea in ships, they that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up 
to the heaven and they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. It's like you're on the boat and it's like these waves. It's just a constant up and down and up and down and up and down. And then it goes on to say their soul is melted because of trouble. Verse 27 says they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man at their wit's end. You know the feeling, you know it if you've been there, it's like you just bounce back and forward and you have no control. You've got absolutely no control over what's going on and you just get to a point where you're just at your wit's end. It's like you're done. And it's like you're like a drunken man who's just staggering around with absolutely no control. Verse 28, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he bringeth them out of their distresses. And I started to read that, this the peace came over me. In verse 29, he maketh the storm a calm, so that the, that the waves thereof are still, still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet. You know, I, you know if, if you have struggled in any area of mental health, that peace and settledness and quietness is a big deal. It's a big deal. And now God is saying he can calm the storm and he can give you quiet. It's And when you get it, you're glad for it. You are glad to get that quiet. This is a picture of God calming the storm and he's the only one who can do it. He's the only one who can do it. But you say, you may be sitting there thinking, well, that's, a, that's well and good, mate. Good on you. Thank you for that. You talk about this faith thing. Well, how much faith do I need to have for this to take place? I want to believe what you're saying, but what if I don't have enough faith to make this all happen? Well, let me tell you something. God's willing to work with however much faith you have right now. Right in this moment, he's willing. Do you know, there's a tangible measurement of how much faith God's willing to work with in the Bible. It's called a mustard seed. Now, you can't see... If I was to hold a mustard seed up here, it's that small that you, you, you wouldn't see it. But that's how much faith God's willing to work with. That's how much faith... If you have that much faith to put into him, to trust him, to give to him, to call out to him, he's willing to work with that right now, today. Jesus can calm your storm and give you peace. So then, well, what about being a, def- a service defence person, personnel? It's an identity in itself. Uh, you'll notice that generally whenever you talk to uh, serving defence personnel, especially uh, young ones who've been in for a short time or just joined, that's all they want to talk about. Oh, I was the same. You're probably the same if you've been there. It's all you want to talk about. It's, uh, you know, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, but you can find it very hard to have discussions with friends and family that you've known for years, especially after you've been through that process and that training. Because you get a little disconnected. Because they take you, they break you down, and then they rebuild you. And so you, you, you're a little different than when you first went in. Then your priorities are different. The way you think is a little bit different. And you find it hard to talk some, you know, the normal stuff to people. Because you just go, oh, I don't care about that. No one, you know. There's more important things I've got to think about now. Um... It's just the fact, you know, there's already a bit of a disconnect from society from the start. 
because it's just a different world with unique experiences attached to it, as I mentioned before. So when someone leaves that environment, when someone leaves the defence, leaves the Army, Navy, Air Force and enter back into the, into the world, into the real world, we call it, it's, uh, it's somewhat foreign to them. I mean, you live in it. But I tell you what, <laughs> my wife and I were talking about this morning. When I got out, the very next day I had to pay full rent on a house we were in. I couldn't believe it. I know it fell over. I didn't realise how much that was. And I had to actually start going to doctors. Like I went to a doctor, like a normal doctor. Well, I didn't. I, there would be people who would tell you that they had never, they wouldn't even know how to get money out of a bank account because they never had to. Defence takes care of its people, which is good. But it's not so good when you get out. It's a little bit of a, a change. You, you, so you come into a world, it's back in a world that's somewhat foreign, and add to that the fact that they've lost their identity as, you know, the service man or woman, then they've lost a significantly large portion of who they are and now got to go on a journey of discovery again. Many find it hard to equate civilian life and employment to the same level as military life and service. Uh, you know, it's very easy to become despondent and downhearted. Very, very easy. Um, what do you do then when you perceive you have no purpose in life? Depression and anxiety can set in. Fear is real because you no longer have that safety net that you once had. You're out in the world with people who do not understand you or what you've experienced. It can be a pretty lonely time. And, and, and feeling a sense of loneliness for long enough can certainly have extremely detrimental effects on someone's mental health, right? So then, where do you find purpose? Where, where do you find this purpose? Well, I'm going to take you back to creation, strange, strange place to go. But the Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and all that is therein, which means that we did not get here through blind luck and chance as evolution would suggest. Creation was a deliberate act a deliberate act full of purpose-built items made with intricate detail. And that includes you. You're not a mistake. We didn't just get here just by like, oh, wow, two blobby molecules bumped into each other and, oh, there's Michael Dodd. <laughs> now, you probably, some of you think that that's probably how I got, you know. <laughs> but, you know, that's not how it took place. You read the account of creation and you, look, you only have to look at a leaf under a microscope to see the design and the pattern and the intricate detail that is in there. Let alone taking a look at the human brain, which they still can't work out because of the complexity and design of the human brain, you know? So, purpose-built intricate detail. And that's you. That's all of us, every one of us. See, man in science has been misled into searching for the reason and uh, means of our existence in frozen water molecules of some remote barren planet that has no life on it. Yet life itself and all the intricate details and purpose of it exist around us every day. We only got to look at each other to see that. And I'll answer the questions to life. You know, creation will testify of the existence of God. The Bible tells us that. So the Bible tells us in Colossians that all things were created by him and for him and he is before all things and by him all things consist. Well, so what? What does that mean? Well, that means that you and I have been created by him and for him and we therefore have a purpose in him. Jesus said this in, in John fifteen five. He said, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye 
except ye abide in me. He said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. You see, our purpose in life is to bear fruit for him in this life. That can mean many things because we're all individuals. But what if I was to say to you that the trials that you're experiencing right now or have experienced previously, he can bring you through and at some point you will be able to comfort others with the same comfort that you were given, you were comforted by God with. What if I told you there was great purpose in, in, in you going through what you, were going, what you went through? I get it. Right now, you're probably sitting there thinking that, you know, that's impossible and it's probably pretty hard to hear, let alone comprehend. I understand that. I thought the same way. I thought the exact same thing. But yet, here I am. Here I am to testify of the truth of this. The truth of it. But, and so are many others here as well, by the way. Many others can testify to the truth of this. But it's a, it's, here's the critical bit. There's no bearing of fruit without connection to the vine. Your life purpose and fruit is directly connected and reliant on being connected to Jesus. He said that. The fruit that you bear outside of that, I mean, I don't know. You can look for purpose outside of him. If you, you know, Many do. I have many of my friends who, who are, are looking to find purpose and to find healing in, in many different places. And quite frankly, the majority of them are just band-aids that have a fix for a time, but then that, you know, it's, it's not lasting. This is lasting, because he is lasting. He is the only one, he's the only one, the only one, who can fix it and make you better on the other side of it than when you went in on it. And that's amazing. No one else can do that. There's nobody else who can do that but him. Let me just close. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You know, he's offering an abundant life full of purpose. That's what he's offering. See, you can search search out some things that will fulfil a desire for a time, but it's not what you and I are created for. We're not created for that. The Bible tells tells us that it is in him we live and move and have our being. It's in him we live, we have abundant life. We move, direction, and have our being, our purpose. It's all found in him. It's all found in him. So in remembering today, you know, remember to thank God for protecting us because that's important because without him we would not have that. And remember, he's the reason for our peace. But also remember those who have willingly served and sacrificed because there are many. So if you're here today and you want this peace and purpose and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then as I said, today is the day you can start to have that by simply calling on him. It's that simple. It really is that simple. You know, you let him into your life and see how he can experience how he can calm the storm. He can give you great purpose. You know, I remember just my, one, of my, one of my boys used to struggle a lot with uh, nightmares and just thoughts, you know, struggle with bad thoughts at night and things like that. And he used to come to me and he used to say, Dad, Dad, I'm struggling, you know, I can't sleep as he's younger. And I would, like father of the year here, would just go, 
Hey, you're all right, mate. Just don't worry about it. Go back to sleep. Go to sleep. You'll be right, mate. You're father of the year. Great. And he'd come out just like, really like, I can't sleep. I'm having bad thoughts, all this sort of stuff. And one night, it finally clicked. It's like, why don't you teach him to do what you do where you found comfort? I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. I sat down with him and we pulled out the book of Psalms and we just started to read. And I saw a peace. And he'll testify to this even to today. There was a peace that came over him. Just by reading and picking up and reading the word of God. It settled him. And you know what? I often at times now see the Bible at the side of his bed. And I'm pretty sure that that's just a lesson that he's never forgot. Pick the word of God up in a time of anxiety and stress and fear and just to start to read and that settledness takes place. You know, if you do not have the Lord Jesus Christ, if you never accept him as your saviour, then today is the day. You can do that today. How do I do that? You know what? If you want to know more about the promises, if you want to know what, what he means, what, what this is all about, you know, talk to the people who, who brought you along. You know, there's many of us here who are happy to sit down and share how simple it is to come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is that simple. And there are many who testify, not just serving or ex-serving people here today, who can, but, but everybody who can testify of the power of God in their life. So, you know, you can have personal peace and victory over the things you battle because of the personal sacrifice of one individual whose name was Jesus, whose love for you as a person is beyond anything that we, we can comprehend this side of heaven. So I'm just going to pray and then hand over to, to Jewel. So Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, for uh, allowing us this time. And Father, would you just uh, speak to our hearts and Lord, we just uh, give you all the glory. Uh, would you, uh, we, we, just, we want to thank you, first of all, for the fact that we know that uh, if it was not for you, we as a nation and we as a people, as individuals, would be in a horrible, horrible state. So, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us and that you have not allowed our nation to become a prey to their teeth. Lord, and I know that as a nation we have not, we are moving further away from you as every day uh, goes, goes on. But, uh, Lord, would you continue to have mercy on us, I pray. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.